The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi and welcome to episode 83 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. Now I've got a great interview with uh, Rob Baker who is the owner of Tailored Thinking and uh, calls himself the chief positive deviant at that organisation and we do explore some of uh, Rob's work around well, his background in positive uh, psychology and how he applies that to working with organisations and coaching individuals, managers and teams around that, particularly around the topic of job crafting and he, explore, he explains it far better than I can but it is around basically trying to sort of find that that way to craft the role that you're doing to be more rewarding, fulfilling and enjoyable. And that's a combination of practical things plus also reshaping our perspectives and mindset on that. So Rob will explore that as well. The other thing, and one of the reasons that prompted me to... um, to have Rob on sooner rather than later. I've been meaning to get him on for a while, but uh, I was actually watching an Amazon Prime Netflix called Dragonback Run or something along those lines. Um, and I tend to watch those kinds of things where there are physical challenges involving one or groups of people, you know, doing whether it's CrossFit or endurance running or some sort of walk across God knows where. I love those kinds of documentaries and generally stories because. For me, it speaks to the spirit of us as human beings, the, the, the spirit within us that is seeking more, that's seeking challenge, that's seeking discomfort and pain and, and all of those things in order to in order to achieve some sort of sense of meaning, purpose, fulfillment, enjoyment. might sound a bit perverse, but I guess if you're listening to this, you, you can sense that that's what the Restless Midlifer is about, is tapping into that spirit. And it was watching that uh, particular documentary that uh, about... 10 minutes, 20 minutes in, a certain person came running past and, and were placed quite highly. I won't spoil the actual uh, the progress of the, the run if you want to watch it because I think it's a great it's a great documentary. But I thought, I know that, I know that person. I know that. And it took me a while to recognise based on camera shots. But that's Rob. That's Rob Baker. And in all the years I've known Rob, I didn't know that he was an endurance runner. Although, when you look at him, he's built like one. He's, he's certainly got that uh, lean physique. Um and that fit look about him for that. Um, but one thing I didn't realise was that he was into that. So I messaged him, and he was he was abroad in Europe somewhere at the time, and had a bit of a chuckle that uh, I'd, that it brought back a memory of the the run. But it was great to see him on that, and I wanted to pick his brains. So we get into that as well, and we particularly focus on the lessons learned from doing those challenges, and that's something I'm particularly brought into is how. What can we learn from the physical challenges, the, the, the physical challenges that we can set ourselves in life that perhaps are seemingly beyond us or a little bit or even a lot beyond us that can transform not just us, but our perspective on life and the lessons we take to it. Um, in my time in 2010, I cycled lands in John Gross with Mitt Stu, who I'm going to aim to get onto the podcast at some point to have a chat about these. And in 2012, again with Stu, we cycled London to Barcelona and they were brilliant challenges and adventures. Had their ups and downs, but it's often the challenges and the tribulations that we remember most fondly than the finishing. And I think, isn't that a great metaphor for life? And this is why I guess one of the key focus for me is as a restless midlife, getting life back on track, it often involves getting the health side first, the foundation put in place first. And it's no coincidence, I guess, that it does. It not only ties into that sense of adventure, but it ties into who we are as human beings. We've evolved to move. We've evolved to deal with challenge and problems, etc. And often what we do in our day-to-day work and life is we deal with the psychological strain and stresses. And we often forget that we've evolved to deal with the physical. And that's where we can often thrive. 
So that's why I really love these particular challenges and watching those documentaries. So I hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, Rob. It's a great insight and some great lessons learned. He's a great bloke and uh, has loads to share. Um, and really, I guess for my food for thought today, it's it ties into physical, the physical challenge, and it's revisiting my daily act of defiance. Now, if you've been a listener for a little while, um, you know that I've mentioned this before, or I've mentioned that I do my 60 burpees a day with my intention of doing 60 burpees till I turn 60. Now, where that random silly idea came from is, well, it's obviously my business in the sense that I came up with it and it might seem a bit silly, but it came from something that... Um, was motivated in that challenge, in that desire to to fight the instinct to do less, to give in to the voice that says, oh, "What's the point? Don't bother." You know, you always fail. That self cabotage as I call it. And what I found was, and I find this with clients as well, is that we can find ourselves getting locked or wrapped in our self cabotage to the point that we can start to believe that the narratives, we can start to act in accordingly, become less active, become less positive, become more trapped in that cycle and it can have a negative consequence on our health and what i found is we do need points in our life like me for that 2010 lands end john growth cycle ride or in our day like my daily act of defiance that we can point to to go do you know what i know i might be telling myself this one thing but look at this i did this today i am capable I am capable of doing more. I can achieve more. When I put my mind to it, I can do it. And that is a really powerful and important imperative in our life in terms of us psychologically. Now, the re- I'll quickly explain the, the, the daily act of defiance and my review of it, if you like, in terms of where I'm at with it. But the, the, it was born out of a, a hungover New Year's Day on 20, in 2021, uh, where I hadn't gone to CrossFit on the New Year's Eve to do the CrossFit New Year's Eve one, which is the Chris Kyle one, if I remember rightly. Um, a veterans ward it involves uh, 160 burpees uh, and I remember on the uh, New Year's Day being quite um, ashamed of myself for not going and again that's that self-cabotage coming in so uh, you know I have to remember that I was being cruel to myself but one of the things I did realize was do you know what that can run away with itself that negative voice so although I was hungover, I decided right do you know what I'm 50 at the time and why don't I commit to doing 60 burpees until I turn 60? So, what, only nine, nine and a half years as it was then. Um, sounds silly and extreme, and yeah, let's be right, it was. It was. But I did those 60 burpees. Actually, on the New Year's Day, I did the Chris Kyle Ward um, from home. I did the run instead of the row, I think it was. Um, but I did the 160 burpees. But what that did was kickstart me into doing 60 burpees a day thereafter. Now, I'm not ex- I'm not suggesting that anybody out there does that as their daily act of defiance. This is me being me all or nothing and sort of applying it to the extreme, which I don't recommend. But what I've done over the years is I've done that most days, um, although there has been compliance issues where I've missed a week here or a few days there, etc. I started to monitor them this year. I had a really good compliant first three months. And in terms of review, I know I've dropped off. And what's tended to happen is that I've missed days here and there, usually when I've not gone to CrossFit. Because when I'm at CrossFit, turn up a bit earlier and usually bang out the, the burpees before the, the, the session. It's kind of part of the ritual and the routine there. But I don't have the context of, for that when I'm at home. So it's floundered a little bit. So in terms of that daily act of defiance, there is the point that I can po- point to when I do it. Yeah, see, you can. But there's also a negative where I say, yeah, see, you failed. Now, that is not the point of the daily act of defiance. What I want to do is create something that for me and for clients, we point to and we do irrespective of whether we can be bothered, whether we want to, whether there is a ritual or routine in place, although that does help. Um, 
we need something small and that fits. So often with my clients, what I what people will suggest sometimes is a 10 minute break, irrespective of how busy they are, and make that non-negotiable. That 10 minute break to park the to-do list, the phones, everything, and just go away and just take that 10 minutes. Now that is something particularly beneficial and people um, tend to report really finding that the head surfaces challenges, issues that they haven't been thought of or too busy to think of, a new way of doing something, uh, mentally file, really, really beneficial and helps them spot other things. So it's really powerful. Or a 10-minute walk or some it might be um, committing to the couch to 5K or something like that plus a walk in between. Whatever it is, it can be a variety of things. Now for me, what I realized with my 60 till I'm 60, the burpees in particular, was that I'd start to get wrapped up in the activity and not and forget the point of the activity so i was finding that i wasn't doing it some days doing it others and then beating myself up for not doing the burpees but actually what is the point so i had to revisit and i've done this in the last few weeks of revisiting why am i doing it and it goes back to that very principle of having a point in my day where i can go you know what at least you did you did that well done you you can do this you are capable of so much more and what I need, realized was that I needed to be a bit more flexible with the activity. So my review of it and that I'm, I'm now incorporating is that I will mix it up. I'll do 60 burpees um, days that I'm at the gym and I'll sometimes incorporate or change that to thrusters. For CrossFit fans, you know, thrusters are particularly unpleasant. They are a squat with a dumbbell or bar up into a stand and then push the, push the dumbbell or the bar over your head and then back down into a squat. Particularly unpleasant. But I'm going to commit to doing those when I'm at the gym as an alternative to burpees because yeah because I, I hate them basically and I want to prove <laughs> that I'll do it despite having that hatred of them <laughs> and that was a point that was what sparked the burpees actually but when I'm at home I'm not going to expect the same thing I'll expect to do something that is lower level so it'll still be 60 but it might be 60 air squats or it might be 60 press-ups or something different and I'll allow that flexibility in because one of the things I've found is that I can be more I can become more and more rigid over time with my expectations of myself so the point of the, the 60 till I'm 60 or the daily act of defiance in particular is not to become rigid but it is to allow some sort of flexible daily thing that you can fit in and that you will do it's small enough that you will do irrespective of how you feel or what time you've got. So what would that be for you? And by no means go to the extreme of what I'm doing, the 60 till I'm 60 thing. That's just Dave Algio being Dave Algio. Do what is right for you and have a review. And I'll report back in my in terms of how I'm doing my own kind of um, flexibility in that. And I guess that's something else to be aware of is watch out for that inflexibility as it builds in. Because habits are great. Routines and rituals are brilliant. But with it can sometimes come a certain amount of rigidity, which every so often can be problematic within the life because life changes around us. So what do you need to build in to review every so often? Do I need to tweak it? Do I need to change it? That kind of thing. It's okay too, because what we need to come back to is the underlying principle and point of the thing. And remember the point of the daily act of defiance is simply have a, a point in your day that you can point to and say, see, there's some evidence to prove that I can. And this is actually more important than perhaps we give credit for because um, there is, um, there is a, it's pretty much debunked now, a model called ego depletion, which talks about, you know, more habits and our levels of motivation are based on how much energy we have left in the tank. Now, don't get me wrong, when we're tired, when we're run down, it can sometimes be really hard to to find that energy to make the right decision or to do the thing to get out for the run or the walk or whatever. So I totally get that. But what the point of ego depletion was was saying was that once that tank was low or empty, then it was a foregone conclusion 
that you would make the wrong choice or the easier choice, the default choice. And actually what research into this area suggests has shown is that that's not quite true. That's actually not true. It's been pretty well debunked, I think, in terms of the model. Yes, when we're tired, we're more likely to fall into some of those patterns. But if we adopt a particular mindset around that, and that mindset is about empowering ourselves. I actually have the power and we believe that we have the power to do it. Do you know what? I can choose differently. I may not choose differently every time. You know, that I'm not perfect. I may make that choice that's less healthy, whatever, from time to time or more often than not, whatever. But I have the capability. I am able to. I have the control, the authority, the sovereignty over myself to be able to do that. And this is where the daily acts of defiance, I think, will really help. Because what it does is gives you living proof each day or every other day or at least four times a week, whatever it is. But it's that point in your day that you can point to to say, see, I can do it. I really did not want to get out for that walk. It was raining. It was cold. It was miserable outside. But I put my coat on and I stood outside and then went for that little 10 minute stroll. Or do you know what? I was snowed under at work. I was so battered. Emails coming out my ears. But do you know what I did? I parked and I stepped away for 10 minutes. I can and I can choose to. And that kind of narrative that we play can be counter to the self-cabotage and be very empowering. So yes, we may have had the day from hell and feel like I just want to ring for a pizza. And you may choose to do that. But believing that you have that power and having a point to prove in your day can be really, really, really powerful in helping you counter that narrative and prove in a way, in its physical way, that you are capable of choosing differently. And you can. And this is the thing about us human beings. We are capable of so much more. And we all we often need is that change in the narrative, the change in the belief, the change in the, the stories we tell ourselves. And if we can just use that daily act of defiance as a means of achieving that, then all the better. So that's my uh, take on the daily act of defiance this time round. I hope you've uh, enjoyed that food for thought. What would yours be? And how can you make sure that you have it? And how would you leverage it in your day so that you can choose or can understand that you have more choice and power and sovereignty over yourself. And I hope you enjoy the the interview with Rob Baker coming up. Let me know any thoughts of Dave at Restless Midlifer. But for now, take care. It's uh, great to have you along. And um, we've known each other for a few years now, um, and we share common interests around well-being and what have you in, in our both our spheres. And I want to get into that. I want to get into the work that you do, because I think it's really fascinating. I think very relevant to the, to the audience that we have. But I have to just address the first thing, because... Um, the reason we kind of touch base again after we drifted a little bit because of work, whatever, was mm-hmm. I happened to be watching. I, li- I like to watch these documentaries on Amazon Prime and that where there are people doing challenges and all that. And there's one, it was the Dragonback Race or something like that. You'll correct me on the title, where I was watching it. And this is a horrendous race by all accounts. And you can tell me more. Um, and I was thinking, is that Rob? Is that Rob on there? And and I saw you running along, and then, it is Rob, right? So and I and I text you straight away. I think you were away in in Europe somewhere. Yeah, they were. Right. So it was one of those moments. Where I think Amy mates on the telly. So it's great to see. But just for, so everybody knows, do you want to tell um, a little yeah. bit about you? Sure, sure. What that was all about as well. Yeah. So um, I suppose my so my name is Rob Baker. I'm the founder of of Thinking. Um, we've so we've known each other for a number of years. And I'll just say it's been a delight to kind of speak to you today. And um, so the dragon's back, kind of right. So I'm someone who loves kind of adventures in personally and professional, kind of in terms of what we into what we do. And one of the biggest kind of um, kind of running adventures, I suppose, that I've had was this dragon's back race. It was the it was the first time it didn't run for for 20 years, I think, at the time in 2012, and it was. And five-day stage race that goes from the north to the south of Wales. And it's called the Dragon's Back because it goes over all the mountains. 
And and basically, I was could, could have I knew someone who was organising the race, and I thought, right, we're gonna we're gonna uh, I'll enter it and on a bit of a whim in terms of the background. And I didn't quite know what I had in store for me. And if I'm honest with you, I don't know if I would have necessarily entered if I had known what was there. But it's one of those circumstances. And kind of many people probably recognize this is sometimes ignorance is bliss beforehand in terms of just and getting on and, and and doing it. And so it was amazing. And it's been, I think we all have these times in our lives that are kind of have periods of significance and resonance. And actually that knowing that I kind of got through that that race and built some kind of amazing kind of friends, friendships from, from that. And I still think about it kind of quite regularly now, like um say 10 years, 10 years um, ago. And the, the the recording of it was it was an even stranger one. So we they had a recording team out, but they weren't sure how they were going to edit it or what they were going to edit it. And I certainly wasn't really that aware of it because um, I was just focusing on putting one foot in front of the other. So it was it came as a bit of a surprise at the end at the end of it and um, about um, a year later that they'd kind of premiered this this film. But I had the opportunity to go and take my mum and dad to the to the premiere of this at the Sheffield Adventure Film Festival, which again was a, you know, a wonderful um, experience to, to have um, and share. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. And the, the production quality of the programme as well was really great. It was it was top class, hence why I'm guessing it's on Amazon Prime and, you know, like a, a, yeah. a decent quality. So it was it was great to see. And, and, and for me, the reason I watch these programmes anyway is because and I think this is a case for maybe many of us who, you know, we live our lives. We In earlier years, you kind of fall into habits, routines, conform yeah. to a particular life. All the best reasons, trying to build a life. But then you get to a point where it's, a, is this it? And is there, there's got to be more to it than this. And, and I think that's the point where, it doesn't have to be midlife per se, but it's a point where you start to seek out challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I certainly see, I, I'm similarly kind of um, watched similar kind of videos myself and kind of films. And I find what it does, it kind of sparks something in me that's saying, I what I admire in this isn't isn't that I want to do what they're doing, but I want to find the thing that's lighting them up and saying, actually, they're, they've, they're kind of really kind of energised and engaged by what they're doing. What what can I do? What's the kind of my version of that, I suppose, to kind of bring that element of focus and and fun i suppose as well right to to what we're to what we're doing and i think you're right if we in our day-to-day lives and existence it can sometimes find difficult feel difficult to kind of find that find that sense of adventure yeah you know um i, I think it's funny to say fun for such a grueling challenging thing but actually you know isn't that where we get us it's a certain sense of something and, and it's different to that pleasurable thing of maybe having a beer with a mate, that kind of thing. Mm. There's a challenge. There's something in it. You know, I do it with CrossFit. And I, I, I got your ignorance is bliss thing because I remember my mate Stu, um, when when just around my turn in 40, you know, so it's 2010 type of thing, he collared me when I'd had a couple of pints and said, do you fancy do you fancy cycling London um, Plans and John O'Groats? And ignorance is bliss because at the time I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm turning 40. That'd be canny. And, you know, if I'd have known what I knew, during the ride I wouldn't have done it but having done it what a, an experience and I, I totally get that and the fun yeah there were times when it wasn't yeah <laughs> there's something out of it isn't there there's something in that yeah so there's a lot of rock climbers that I know that will talk about type A type fun and I don't quite know what type B is but in terms of the fun is type, type A type fun is like 
it's fun, but it's hard work. So that kind of that lands on a great. It's definitely type A kind of like things. These elements are grueling kind of in it, and it's like hard, but it is fun, it's fun in terms of its sense of adventure, its sense of being alive, it makes us feeling alive and very visceral. But also there's some element of kind of risk, I suppose, with that as, as well. So I suppose what you're describing is that is what the saying the mountain climbers would kind of refer to as. Um, type A, type A type fun. And, and they're going to the pub might be type B or it might be a type C or type D. I don't know what the yeah. hierarchy of fun is on this list for the world. I've, yeah. I've, I've never, I know about type A, type B personalities, but I've never thought about it like that from the perspective of fun. But it's very true. And I think it, maybe this is what we're looking for in the sense we might get settled in jobs. It's stressful, it's challenging. But if we get to a level where, you know, we get familiar with the challenges there and it doesn't quite light us up. And I like that the phrase you use, you know, when we're looking for that thing that lights up, I might not want yeah. to do exactly what you did on there, but I want something that challenged me that way. And that's, that's, that's really what it's about finding that thing that lights you up and that adventure, you know, it, it, it's something that I think is within the spirit of many of us. Um, and it's not just fun, it's adventure, but it's also learning stuff about yourself. So I guess really for you, this is what, this is one of the things I want to ask you because you must have been into running and long distance endurance running before that, obviously. Um, but what what did you what was the experience in terms of within your head, your mind, your, the stuff that went on in there to, during those, some of those times? So, so I have. So I was lucky enough to kind of be able to draw from a kind of like a rich history of kind of running for me. So I run. I've been lucky enough to run competitively internationally, at, but shorter distances, much shorter distances are on, on the hillside for fell running uh, or mountain running, as people refer to it, and also orienteering. So which, and the Dragon's Back race at the time is still very much a navigational kind of challenge, although you're allowed to take GPS things. So that, that kind of helped me in terms of, in terms of the process, but very much on um, one kind of tips that I've had when I started doing marathon running, I was doing something, that I found troubling and, and challenging is around trying to just focus on the, the small compartments, what's in front of you now, right? So it's like in a day, if I was a, as a start, start line, I was exhausted thinking I've got 40 miles to do this over three of the biggest mountains in Wales. And you can't start like that. You can, you can just, you don't know, start, but what you do focus on saying, right, what's the first kilometer? What's the first checkpoint? What do I need to do and move that? And then you kind of like, you. I always kind of found myself forgetting that you know at the end of the race i was like you'd almost forgot the first that an hour of a real low point you had in the race like at that time which felt like it was never going to end it was ever but eight hours later you kind of forgotten about it you could have just been focusing on putting one foot in front of the other and i think that kind of applies to business as well i think it applies to kind of all aspects of life. it totally applies to kind of maybe parenthood when you're waiting for your child to go to sleep or doing anything in that respect is in terms of you, you you've got to focus on what's in front of you as it were and just keep focusing on that and not on kind of on the other on the other elements and I never so for me in terms of the race as well so it was, often I was just trying to be focused people talk about being in the moment and stuff and I wouldn't say I was necessarily kind of in that in the zen kind of zone but it was very much just focused on on keeping on keeping going and the the other thing that I was aware of in terms of that kind of race and I think it applies again in everything that we do is if we want to perform well in an ourselves or anything you, it's not just at the time when you're doing that thing that matters it's the stuff all around it as well so for the dragon's back race it was like yes you were because the primary thing was was going from a to b on the day but you also as soon as you finish you need to make sure you're eating you eat you need to make sure you're eating enough on the day when you're racing or doing the race but as soon as you finish you need to look after yourself treat any blisters or kind of other things you need to kind of eat make sure you're eating hydrating sleeping 
or and again none of that stuff you necessarily wanted to do because you just wanted to kind of collapse in a heap somewhere and in a fetal position but you have to kind of like do to kind of again do that and again i think it applies not in the same way but the same when it comes to business or the same when we're trying to push ourselves to do something differently and we're having to kind of kind of punch out that 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 um situation we have we need to kind of think about the time we're spending outside of it so i know you do kind of crossfit and other things right so dave so again you need to kind of think about what you're eating and how you're recovering and setting yourself up for that crossfit are you know not just in the not just kind of in the gym right it's the same kind of mentality yeah oh absolutely There's so much there i think you're right it's about how that that translating across into life it's such a lesson i remember that idea of just focus on the next mile, the next this. And there was a couple of points where, you know, it was 15 days ahead. And I very quickly knew from starting in Cornwall on the bike ride, I kind of think like that. I've just got to think about, I've got to think about today. And then it shortly become, just get to lunchtime, just the first 10 miles. And then it was just that hill. And there was a point when I injured my leg uh, day 13 in Scotland. And it was just get to the next white line the next white line. Yeah. And, and, and I think it emphasizes, and I do talk a lot about this in some of the sessions I do um, is it emphasizes the, the importance of winning the mind game because yeah. you can crush yourself by thinking how much and how far ahead you've got to go, how long it's going to take, how massive the job is. And actually there's a point where you need to just recognize, right, that's it. But then come straight down to the, I call it the sprout, the sprout size yeah. place action in front of you. And that's hard, but this is this is where I really feel that some challenges like that, they they, they push you, and you learn, and you inevitably learn that as you and it translates across. Yeah, oh, absolutely, I hundred percent agree. And I think that that kind of that zooming down into to to, to kind of the the human now is, is so important. And, and I think often one of the things that gets in our way of doing things, we try and bite off more that we can that we can we can chew. And we say we need to do this. I need to create this marketing strategy or i want to start creating a great gym routine or whatever it is and we kind of think too big and we kind of like then get intimidated by the big thing rather than saying actually the thing i need to do is just get my gym kit sorted out so that i've got and my pack my bag so that, that i've got no i've got no kind of no friction points tomorrow morning when i'm going 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 out or from a work perspective for me it's going to be something like right okay i need to kind of um make sure I've got a list of the three people I need to contact could have been send an email to before I do anything else, because otherwise I'll invariably just get sucked into work and I won't kind of get, get to it. And then a week's gone by and I haven't followed up with those people that I wanted to, you know, so it's, it's those micro things are so important. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right about the other bit, the additional that you've got to take care of yourself after the day or yeah. to prepare for the next day, because it can snowball the wrong way if you're not careful. Um, I remember being so tired at one point where I had, I had to change the puncture at the end of the day. Um, it was a slow puncture I laboured yeah. with for the last, what, five, ten miles. And I just didn't want to. There was something we yeah. didn't want to. I did not want to. But you had to, because yeah, it was the I, next day. I think that's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something just about just to pick on that a little bit around energy as well. And I think yeah. how I see it and recognize it now is that I was very aware and all, more, more people were aware of actually things were like I was making, I was being clumsy towards the end of the race and it was just right. mental fatigue. Everything thing, things just took me a bit longer. I was making some silly kind of root choice things, time related every day. The amount of time it took me to get ready that day for the day took longer every day, kind of incrementally. It'll be the same for everyone. Mm. And I find that also again, in kind of day-to-day work and day-to-day kind of life as well i can tell i've got to tell that when i'm tired and not my best so for example 
when I'm feeling fresh and responsible um, and energized, one of the ways I can tell it is that I find it really easy to respond to emails and do and do and do stuff. It's just like, oh, it's okay. I can just run that. The tired I get, the more I procrastinate, a procrastinate, but b then worry about what I'm saying the right thing in that sentence, re-editing sentence emails and other things. And it's like, oh, okay, that's a, for me. That's a personal tale that I know that I'm not functioning my best because I can see it in front of me. Saying that's that, that responding to this is just taking longer than it than it would do if I'm fresh. Yeah. And I think, again, for us having those, being aware of those tales of when we're not at our best can be really helpful to, to avoid those kind of pitfalls, as you were saying later on. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess this is something I want, because I'm, I'm kind of conscious we're talking about it, but I don't want to give too, away too much, because yeah. if you want to watch it, listeners, I would really, really encourage you to do it, uh, to watch it. So we don't want to give away too much about how it progressed. But you mentioned there about the orienteering bit, you can sometimes choose yeah. the wrong route. That was something that struck me, that it, it isn't a clear path. And actually, you could make the day longer, or the run that day longer by a miscalculation. Yes, is yes. That, I think, and, that, and I think that's the thing that that so it's so it's again you can mitigate by it and you can by the preparation helps you in terms of planning the, the yeah. route so when we did it for the year that we'd specifically with it they hadn't unleashed the routes we didn't know exactly we knew we knew we we're going over the mountains but we didn't know how as it were so every day we had choices about saying you've got to get five different checkpoints and you can do them in different ways to, to do it and there was one point for myself and um the the leader of the race because i was at the as kind of in the, at the top of the race at the, at the time where we kind of ran and at some point we were literally um because steve ran straight through kind of a valley into the mountains i ran around the roads to kind of go to, to go through it and we were literally about two miles like apart as it were but running in the same place to, to the area and it was we're an hour and a half was the leg so in terms of that we, that we were doing in the center of wales and we finished that thing steve beat me by a minute and minute and a half and so over an hour and a half of doing it he just went a completely different route and i went the other right and but you but you played your strength. Steve's great in terrain. I was I knew that I was wanted to break in terms of from the hills and running on the flat. And so that ability to kind of from for, for the navigation and confidence again, I suppose, and be able to find your own route and make your own route is really helpful. But when you're tired, which happens to a lot of people towards the end of the day or cumulatively, just basic cognitive to us became more difficult. Navigation was one of them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I guess that ties into a question about that, because did you find in those times, because you experienced, yeah. like, you, like you said, I, I, I needed a break to go on the road, but did you find in terms of your decision-making to make the right decision, was that ever affected through because of tiredness? Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely, I felt that it was, I was aware, I think I became more aware of it, which was, which was helpful. And I just, and again, you kind of create, um, kind of ways of keeping yourself in check as it were so it's just right. like i need to double check this route i need to double check my compass before i do this to make sure i'm taking the right path so previously you get to a junction and i'd have it in my head i'll be able to map read i'm map reading advance going right and junction coming up i'm taking the one that could go southeast path second mm-hmm. flight no problem whereas you know day five i come to that junction be quite befuddled maybe also mm-hmm my body's saying, oh, it would be nice to stop here and have a bit of a faff rather than carry on running. So like, part of it, and then I stop and then it's not so clear. So it's and so then I'd have strategies saying, right, I need to double check my compass. And towards the end of the race, I was, a mantra I had for myself was just, was just compass, compass, compass. And it was help, a helpful distraction for me was just like, get the compass out and just sight it and make sure that I knew I was going in the right direction. I was going in the right place. And it was helpful for, for me. And, and I find there's a little kind of, checks and mantras for me can be really helpful yeah 
Midlife Reshape Academy is now up and running and the founder members are off to a great start. If you too are a midlifer and you're finding your health and weight have slipped in the wrong direction, you're feeling overwhelmed and lost by the prospect of embarking on yet another attempt to regain your health, then drop me a line at dave at restlessmidlifer.com to find out how my Reshape Immersive programs can help provide everything you need to get you back on track and achieving more than you thought possible in terms of your weight, health and zest for midlife and beyond. You can find out more at midlifereshape.com. Yeah, uh, there's so much there as well that's, that's kind of translatable across because that when we're tired, if we're driving ourselves, we're prone to make more mistakes, but maybe making decisions based in, like you say, a little bit before, not as clear thinking. And so therefore the decision may not be as 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 effective or efficient i guess mm-hmm. so it, it, you're kind of brought to mind the the old um measure twice cut once for a, for a joiner type thing just yeah. just stop for a moment let's just yeah. check let's just check yeah. and uh, for me translating that into you know somebody who's got a, a big goal whether it's a big weight loss goal or a big you know something they've set themselves and you can often be carried along and they, they talk about the diet honeymoon in, in sort of weight loss, you know, the beginning motivations, high inspirations, yeah. high, you've got some clear ideas, but it's when you get past that and, you know, in the longer term fatigue sets in frustration sets in. So you, you said something about keep coming back, compass, 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 check. I mean, yeah. they're heading in the right yeah. direction. So whatever that translates to in terms of the journey, it's come back when you're losing your way or feeling tired is that discipline of just coming back to the little thing. Am I heading in the right direction? Yeah, I think that's really that's really interesting. And that diet honeymoon, I think I kind of recognise that. I know that I'm interested in that kind of world as well. And obviously, the not only do you feel more motivated, but you you kind of your your weight loss tends to be more rapid straight away, particularly if you're kind of saying kind of managing your calories or whatever kind of way you diet you're doing. So you tend to have those quick rewards. So it's like your motivation and the rewards, and then you'll have a period of time where it just there's a fallow there's a fallow period. Um, and I think for me not necessarily as a diet expert in the way that you are, but I think it's, it's kind of foreseeing those things. So it's like knowing that this is where every, wherever state you're in is not going to be forever and you're going to have high points and low points and having had a thought about what are the things you're going to say to yourself or how can you prepare for yourself in those low points. So for me, say from diet's important for me when I'm doing some of the running stuff and other things, I know that if I have crap in the house for me, I'll eat it. Like, so that's just, just the way I am like and it's a very human thing too and my my I'm generally pretty you know I'm if I'm motivated I find it easier to kind of resist that stuff but when I'm tired and fatigued and maybe in heavy training or whatever my mental fortitude isn't as strong my decision making my rationale isn't so so rather than me having to fight that it's just easier for me not to have them in the house and that's just a little thing that I do that works that works for, for me and and sometimes I'd have like again really clear boundaries so in terms of for certain things so that i wouldn't and in the month or so before a race or something i'd say right i'm not eating kind of i'm not gonna eat crap and crap for me was like crisps or cake or whatever and so i'd be saying right during the during the week now or monday to friday or or whatever or for the next two weeks i'm just not gonna eat crap so it's not forever yeah for, for me but it was like having those clear rules and having clear rules just makes it our brains less likely to kind of yeah question ourselves right and yeah yeah i love that i think uh, i think that's so true it's kind of that that preempted i i I kind of carried with me from the policing days a phrase of by all means hope for the best but plan for the worst yeah of course right what that is about is about anticipating that 
I often say, don't if you're feeling inspired, don't worry, it'll pass. Yeah, yeah. Tongue in cheek <laughs> way of saying is you feel like it now and that'll carry you so far, but it will pass. So what can you do there? And that's yeah. about, as you say, reduce the cognitive load, reduce the amount of temptation distance, because we're human proofing it, really, aren't you? Yeah. Rather yeah. than beating yourself up for the actual failures, like just anticipating it. So I love that idea of some some rules. Not too many, obviously, but some no. some rules that help you stay in some guardrails is is really yeah. Helpful. For me, very much that kind of red. I've heard some people refer to them as kind of red lines or other kind of approaches. And I think again, this applies to. I find it helpful for work and other things in all aspects of life. It's like what are the hard rules that you really want to stick to? But you need to be really clear about them and really clearly motivated them because I think often we tempted to kind of set kind of rules that we don't believe in, and then we yes. can get in all sorts of problems when we don't yeah. we don't fulfil them because it's. We're not setting ourselves up for success, but then we're also setting ourselves up to beat ourselves up about not achieving those goals as well because we haven't been, that they mattered enough to us or they're not clear enough in our heads. And I think that idea of preparation doesn't sound very sexy. It's not very planning. We can, I think we're, again, a human fate is that we're optimistic that what we will be able to achieve. And it's like actually doing that planning. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. Putting those rules is something that we can all benefit benefit from. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's not, and also it's, just to add to that as well, I don't think it's necessarily something you can do. You want, you will want to do forever. It will change. You need to kind of check in with those things mm-hmm. in some, in some points. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Motivations change, and and and, and things change as you go, don't you? Because the one thing that's we that we don't know is what happens in the future. We can try to shape it with our yeah. actions, but there's a lot of unpredictability. I think you're absolutely right. So just one thing, just I want to jump into your work, but I wanted to run yeah. a little kind of thought that I've been sort of mulling over around the stages and the phases of things. Now, this is not a hard and fast or a psychological model or anything like that, but I'm wondering, you know, that that motivation at the beginning of, of a journey. So say, you know, I'm kind of keep using the, the weight loss thing because yeah. that's what a lot of clients are. That I've kind of, in my rough in mind, roughly conceptualized into three areas. You've got the start, the first two or three stone type of thing mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. there's getting over self-defeating, you know, the, the, the stuff that holds you back, but it's also the motivation, inspiration, where you maybe find your energy to conform to these things a little bit better. Yeah. Then you've got the middle bit, the middle grind, you know, the two or three stones, yeah. whatever. And that, again, is about challenging, like, I don't feel like I'm making progress. You know, I'm getting lost, I'm drifting, that kind of thing. Um, and I can equate this to my journey on the lands in John O'Groats, to be fair. And then the last bit is that last stone or whatever. And it reminds me of doing the North Run. You kind of know the finish is not that far away. Yeah. But when you run along that coastline and you can see the finish, it never seems to get closer. Do you know what I mean? And 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 sometimes I think each one of them presents different challenges. Um, so I, I, I suppose I'm just chucking it out there as a bit of a kind of can you? It's a leading question. I guess can you relate in terms of some of the ways that you felt in the journey along that run, for example, yeah. or a long challenge? You know, I think that definitely. Well, I think I just can you talk to you talk about the great North Line? It made me think about marathon, like marathon kind of right. steps in that respect. So one of the things that um, the kind of starting point is maybe kind of like getting to the start line as it were entering it's probably a journey i'd probably even say there's a pre for me as a pre-fat yeah. if i was doing that perspective for the diet stuff it's like i need to realize i want to go on the diet before i'm starting the diet or something so there's kind of there's that element of and then once you're doing it the first bit is like yeah it comes relatively easy you're motivated so the marathon easy and is tempted to go too far almost as well yes. kind of like and i think that sometimes again there is um using kind of sticking running running metaphors as a, a northeast runner called charlie spedding who came um i think it was third in the, the olympics in um uh 1980 forgive me for being fact check me and i've probably got some of that wrong but he was he talked about 
and he's written a brilliant autobiography and one of the things he talks about perfect training and he's saying perfect training for him is like doing what he planned to do so it's not like if i'm feeling great i'm going to smash it out of the park and do more that day which is often the temptation so he's yeah. saying actually i'm not i'm going to do what i plan to do because i know i made the plan from the point of rationality so i'm gonna i'm gonna do it so first three miles is like yeah stick to your plan like so in terms of all the first five miles of your diet stick to what you're doing don't feel you've got to do more than that yes, yes. um and then yeah like then it's like i'm gonna find the tough grind like middle bit it's not it's gonna feel different the paper you know this is when i'm really hitting the mile this is actually when i'm actually properly i'm not playing with this i'm actually committed to it it's a lifestyle thing maybe and yeah. um, and then the end is around yeah the end is like oh i don't i don't know where i'm going from this i'm gonna be a bit despondent of like do I want to carry on doing this? I've got so far, that's good enough. And it's like, well, you're not, you're not there. And the goal is so what's going to get you to that, your finish line, as you were saying, what's going to push you when you've made such great progress already, but you know you're not there yet. Like, and, and I think that's a really interesting position. Having thought about that in advance and recognising it can be really helpful because you should celebrate them as well. Because if you're in that dark period, if you're, yeah. if, it, if you're waiting for the Great North Line finish line to pop up, it means you're nearly done the great north run right you're nearly there it's something to be something to be celebrated and achieved as a recognition but actually we don't see it as that we see it as that kind of like never-ending period of um torture and and solitude so but again for your diet perspective you talk about that or weight loss yeah you're in that position and the fact it's so hard means you've done you've done the ground you've done great work to get to that point so and you know it's going to be hard and it'll be hard for everyone it's not different like in terms of this then having planned distracted saying how can you really make them mad. most of those things are really are really important so i love that your kind of three phase approach and i think i'd probably just do a pre a pre-phase as i think yeah, i like that. Things that yeah you're absolutely right yeah and the pre-phase is very important because it often it's not about the diet I, that's a phrase i kind of have um i've kind of pinched obviously the lance armstrong it's not about the bike but the point is often Yes, obviously it is about the diet in a, in a basic sense, but it's often about the other stuff. Like, why do you want it? What, what's yeah, 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 yeah. How yeah, do you get to yeah. the start line in the first place? How do you get started? What keeps you going at the various phases? So you're right. I love that. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's, and it's that's, just, again, we're going off tangent, this stuff, but it's around the linking into that as well is very much, if you're looking at, um, so a lot of the work that I do is informed by positive psychology. And one of the ideas around this is appreciative inquiry as well. So appreciative right. inquiry is around, understanding why the benefits of doing what you're doing so looking rather than rather than approaching something from an avoidance goal looking at from an approach goal so an avoidance goal for dietary loss would be like i want to lose weight yeah so that's the thing you want to avoid being overweight so i want to be kind of i don't want to stop being fat effectively or something of that kind of that respect so you should avoid perspective an approach goal for 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 weight loss would be I want to be fit and healthy to do the things that matter to me in my life i want to feel more self-confidence when i look at myself in the mirror i want to feel that and i can look after my my kids or meet a new partner or um whatever whatever that will be but it's around actually working towards that goal rather than running away from something yeah. else and the research shows that you're much more likely and this applies to work this applies to everything any and everything and that you're if you're approaching if you're going for an approach reason you're more likely to, to succeed yeah yeah, I love that. And I, I, that's a lovely segue into talking about your work as well. Yeah. Because um do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about your work? And I and I, and for me, the relevance, I think, for midlifers who maybe in particular that point of questioning things like work, what am I doing, my career direction? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Tell us a bit about that. So it links into the running aspects, I suppose, a little bit. So I've always had a fascination about how we perform at our best as as humans, as teams, as organizations. And my background's working in human resources. So it's working working a lot with, with organizations. And I'm a psychologist by kind of background. And, and my 
my kind of my professional career has taken me to kind of lots of different places and the last kind of senior hr job i had was in melbourne so at the university of melbourne and i was very lucky to be at the time where the university had a um uh, a donation to set up a world leading center in positive psychology and positive psychology is the study of optimum functioning so it's around actually how do people perform at their best optimally and that could could look at happiness and satisfaction, life satisfaction. It could look at from educational setting, but the area that I'm being drawn to um, because of my kind of background was around from a work perspective. So really positive, for the areas of positive psychology I've explored is around actually how do people perform at their best in as teams and organizations as a, as a leader. And very much again, for the kind of the themes that we look at is around how can we kind of pull on and focus on our personal strengths and our personal passions and interests and recognize we're all as humans, we're all unique. We're all different. We all see the world in different ways. How can we kind of kind of dial into that rather than try and stifle it? And I think often we treat our individuality as a bit of a threat and we see, you know, wish, wish we were like other people or wish other things and saying, actually, no, we're, we're, we're all, we're all different. How can we kind of tap into and be the best version of ourselves that we want to, that we want to be? Uh, which sounds kind of glib, but it's, there's a, I'm really interested in the kind of the hard research behind it. And the work that I do is is with organisations looking at how they can apply these these ideas from from positive psychology, such as the appreciative inquiry. So how can they, when they're looking at change or how they're looking at a problem, not just focus on trying to kind of get rid of a, something that's not working well, but actually create an answer to a problem or solution or an approach that actually fostering a better outcome for themselves for their teams for, for for other people so the work i do is yet yeah, just to apply to apply these um ideas from positive psychology and well-being science and behavior science into practice brilliant and, and one area that i think um i'm intrigued by as well but i think is is useful is to even put on the radar potentially for listeners is the idea of job crafting yeah but it just gives you an idea of what that is yeah sure so so i've already mentioned that kind of part of my the area that i'm I'm interested around actually recognizing and tapping into our individual selves. So it's around actually how can we how can we personalize what we do? And job crafting refers to shaping and personalizing how we do our jobs. So how we kind of do our tasks and activities, how we interact with other people, and how we think about our job as well. So and crafting the crafting element is around how we can tailor it to make it a better fit to us as, as individuals so if you think about your job like a, a jacket and uh, suit jacket you might go and buy a suit jacket off the shelf and um, but you can go to some some um, shops will let you kind of tailor it so you can like take up the sleeves or bring bring it in the back a little bit to make it a better more comfortable fit for you as an individual and you can think about job crafting as like um as that, that suit jacket so your job is that jacket you're not changing the color of it you can't change the, the the fabric it's kind of set for you but what you can do is is make some ch- small changes to it to make it a better fit for your individual dimensions um and it, and it turns out that when you customize our approach to working so if we feel that we've been able to shape how we do our jobs in terms of our tasks our activities our interactions with other people we feel um that we perform better we do kind of measurements of performance are up we feel more in control of what we're doing which is linked to well-being and we also have more kind of career satisfaction and engagement and satisfaction because as individuals again we change over our lifestyles our kind of the things that we excited we're excited about early in our careers may not be the same in our mid-careers and mm-hmm. um, or in the, the end of our careers and um, the things that we are kind of strengths our personal strengths are, are, are maybe similar but different when we, when we get older we're gonna, we want to kind of we know that we want to focus on more 
in certain areas of work and less of others. And job crafting is saying, how can you change your existing job today to make it the job you want to have tomorrow? Right, cool. So, I mean, there's loads there, but I guess this this obviously requires um, an organisation, I guess, to embrace and adopt the idea. Mm-hmm. But I, um, and and then from the individuals to kind of get the concept and actually understand. Actually, I can have some influence here, and I can have some. Um, it is a partnership in working on that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and and I absolutely, I think this is this is something that's really important for for anybody really in work. If you're talking about, it. but midlife is for me being sort of close to heart is. That, that, as you said, we change and we might be in roles and profession. I'm thinking from my policing background, you know, you end up, you, you can do different sort of specialisms, but you might end up um, back as a as a beat cop or a response cop or this. And there's certain things that, I, I don't know, that you, you know, you have to follow law, et cetera, but there is an amount of flexibility and discretion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking along those lines, that, uh, just from my experience, but I think, is it... it how do how would somebody go about that or introducing the concept into an organization or even just starting the sure, conversation sure. around it you know so i would say you don't need to have an i mean anyone can do this in their own jobs you don't you don't need to have the buying engagement what i do when i work with organizations is i'm saying actually this is much more effective if 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 we're sponsoring if we're encouraging it from an organizational level people are more likely to do it but you don't have to you don't have to have that sponsorship you can just you can just do it and the research shows that some people just do it anyway some people People saying like, I've crafted my job all my life, like, and I just haven't told them about it. I've done it like in secret. Right. And they tend to do it in ways to serve themselves. Um, so I think in terms of a starting point of what people can do is around maybe thinking about what are the things about your job that you love and loathe. So I get people to go off and just map it out. So saying what are the things in terms of your day to day job, where are your activities? What and you might be saying, I've got hundred activities. Fine, start maybe start top ten, do fifty, or do hundred if you want to, and map out actually scale of naught to 10 how much energy does that give me kind of do how much do i look forward to it how much dread does it do and then when you've kind of got those it's around saying okay are there things that i can do, are there ways i can dial up the things that i love doing are there things that i can dial down the things that i don't enjoy doing so to give you an example for me i'm not a fan of doing kind of expenses or um finances to do with with, with the business it's something i technically i can do i'm kind of done kind of um uh uh, studied kind of numbers um, and accountancy as part of kind of modules at university um, and I'm numerate but I just don't I just don't like it so I recognize this as a as a barrier as a challenge and I can like so can I take number one can I change it can I take it away from a job I can't but I can maybe change how I think about it for me so I've thought of thinking about okay what's the, why I can't take it away and why can't I take it away it's because it's fundamental to my business right so in terms of you need to make sure people pay you and you need to invoice them to get the to get the it's it's just the way the, um, the economics work but so I kind of think tend to think about that as a as a work weed so that that instance I'd be like okay it's a work weed so if you think of it as a gardener you in order for your garden to flourish and bloom you need to there's certain things you need to kind of t- attend to and take care of so for me accountancy and the finance aspect is a work weed something i know that i need to do but it's in the betterment of the business by doing the finance and accountancy i now think about it as a way of me sharing care and consideration for my business rather than just treating it as a manual kind of right set tasks that i'll put off to a friday evening or kind of a sunday afternoon sometimes because i because just didn't like it that much and so it's around kind of maybe that example is framing what you do. Another thing, just in terms of just the other side of this, something I love doing is I'm nerdy. I love reading article research articles. Don't get enough time to necessarily do it. And there's no one asking me to do it. It's like something I have to find time for myself. But I set the first 
for me the first 45 minutes of a day I tend to have free so in terms of my kind of in terms of I don't I don't I kind of block out my diary before 10 o'clock for myself uh, between 8 and 10 and I try to resist and looking at my emails too much before that and responding to them so I can spend the first hour and a half two hours depending on what I'm doing that day when I actually kind of get to get to my work to focus on doing something that matters to me that could be reading an article finding an article so I'm finding times to kind of dial that up and it's not changing the footprint neither of those examples I gave changing the footprint of your job uh, fundamentally but it is it is allowing me to kind of do the things that matter um in alignment to my passions and, and my values yeah I love that and I think so there's, there's a there's a combination there you, obviously you identify the various elements of the role but then there's a combination of working out whether it's a shift in mindset or perspective on it not mindset but, but a view on it yeah. So the weeding, I like that idea because I, as somebody who detests gardening, I know that I'd rather go out and pick a couple of weeds than flip and leave it two weeks or three weeks yeah. and have, have a mound. So I, I totally get that. As a, I think that's a really good way of looking at those things. But yes, then the tactical approach for the things you want to do that tend to get left, it's kind of what can I do to build that yeah. in in a way that protects it. So there's, there's, there's loads there. And I, I guess... For somebody who may be listening, think you know what part of my part of me is a bit life where I am looking to improve my health and build in a bit of that. Yeah, um, but I'm also looking to to sort of get to think about what, getting a bit more out of my job. I don't particularly want to change. You know, I've got a pension coming. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm grinding through, but I do want to just find a bit more enjoyment out of it. What where would this start in those? Kind so of- I think well that exercise, the love and loathe exercise, is a, is a good one. The other thing, a challenge I often give people to think about is saying, in terms of your job, if your job was a um, a bit like a, I have to change this now with 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 some of the younger kind of um, cohorts I'm doing this work with. But if you could have, I remember my graphic equalizer on my stereos that I used to have. So most midlifers will recognize this. Yeah. It does their graphic equalizer. So if you think about your job as a graphic equalizer, what are the things that you could do in your control to kind of to change an element of it to get a better a better kind of like kind of fit for you? So my my challenge would be, how could you make your job? Kind of one percent better. What will be the what will be the experiment that you could do to have one to make your job one percent better? And the chances are, if we find that one percent, then when we build and get that off, we might find the next the next the next thing. So I often work with individuals to say, right, if I gave you a budget of five minutes a day or ten minutes a day or an hour a week, like that's your you got sixty minutes. That's it. That's all you've got to do. Kind of context. You can't go bigger than that. What's the what? What could you kind of do? What's the thing you want to tick off? And it could be I'm saying dialing something up. It could be kind of reducing something or it could be experimenting, doing something differently in a different way. So that's what I ask them. When someone's saying, mid career here, do that. Like, just what's the one thing you can do to make your job 1% better? That's it. Yeah, love that. Look, there's so much there. The idea of giving constraint as well, I think, is powerful in helping people to yeah. think. Because often what you can do is get overwhelmed by just, I hate my job and I'm just, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Or super excited. I find you guys are the way, right? So the people go yeah. like, right, I'm going to now, I'm so motivated. I'm going to, it's like, I'm going to lose five stone. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to, you know, it's, again, it's, 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 I understand why, because yeah. you're just excited about it, but it's, we know that it doesn't, it's not sustainable. And yeah. so it's much more sustainable to get down to smaller or sprout sized kind of kind of goals, I suppose, to use your language. Yeah, love that. And that's probably a good place because I'm conscious of time. I know that yeah. you've uh, got to head off, but uh, thank you so much for your time. That that there is very much the sprout sweat away, isn't it? What's the one thing? And give constraint, the smaller things. And I love that approach to doing it because it, it's manageable when you're already busy, you've got a lot going on and it, you either do it or you don't. And that when, it, when you think it's a big job, the last chances are, you're not going to 
embark on the journey. So I love that idea. And it ties in with the chunking things down, as you talked about yeah. Yeah. when the running as well, which is uh, brilliant. So brilliant, Rob. Thank you for your time. Could you want to just give a shout out to where people can connect with you? Yeah, we'll sure. So I mean, if you well, Google but... jog crafting, um, we kind of, you'll find kind of Taylor thinking about it at some, some point on YouTube or I've done a TED talk. Um, and we've got lots of, we're doing our best on our web pages to kind of present all the information around this um, work. So come uh, and find us at tailoredthinking.co.uk. Uh, follow me on kind of social, connect with me on social media. And I'm always happy to kind of um, share um, ideas or kind of articles or anything of relevance that I can help people to make their work better for them. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your oh, time. No, it's, been fun. And, uh, it's, it's been great. Fun. It's been lovely to pick your brains about the running side as well, the challenge, the, the psychological side of that as well. So thank you. It's been brilliant. No problem at all. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.